Church of Hope family. So glad that you're here with us today as we open the Word of God. My name is Holly. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope, and it is my honor and privilege to continue on in our series, Summer in the Psalms. Do you remember when you had summer as a kid? There was always that one thing that made you feel like summer. Maybe it was watching cartoons still in your PJs at 3 p.m. Maybe it was swimming in the pool or hitting one of the beaches of Sarasota's beautiful white sandy coast. Maybe it was making that massive bowl of cereal you made with chocolate milk because by the time you were eating breakfast, your parents were already at work. Whatever it is, there was that one thing, that common denominator that united us all, that had us counting down the days till summer break, sleeping in. Summers were a time of rest, that first Monday of summer where there was no alarm, no mom ripping the covers off of you, trying to get you to get your button gear because you had to get to school. Summer was a time of rest and relaxation and refreshment. And then life played a cruel trick on us. We grew up. We have schedules and appointment and work. Summer is no longer a time of necessarily resting and refreshment, but life keeps moving on. The author of Ecclesiastes says that the march of time, it just keeps going. And we've lost that beautiful time of refreshing in the summer, that time of rest. But when God created humanity, he designed us to rest. In fact, God, who is an all-powerful being who didn't need to rest, when he created creation, he modeled rest for us because he knew how deeply you and I, we need to take time to rest. So today our message is rest for the soul. And we wanna be able to find rest in the soul in these summer days. Regardless of if your life is stressful and hectic, God has a plan for humanity and it includes rest. And we wanna help as a family to get into what it looks like to rest in the summers. And Psalm 62 has incredible insight of what it looks like to rest. Now we take time to rest. We take time off, we have time off work, we come home at the end of the day. It's not like we're working 24 seven, but why is our rest not so restful? It's because oftentimes we're distracted, but we're not rested. It's a norm to binge television. You get that new favorite show and you can watch 12 episodes straight. You're distracted, but you're not rested. Or how about it's unusual to go a day and leave your phone at home because we always need to be connected to something. Disconnecting and resting is unusual. Psalm 62 uh, verse one says, my soul finds rest in God alone. And when he says that, he's saying, David is saying that my soul finds rest in God alone. If we were to write the Psalms, if we were writing what we actually tried to find rest in, our story might look a little more like my soul finds rest in Netflix alone, or my soul finds rest in scrolling social media alone, or my soul finds rest in just sleeping all the time. Whatever it is that we try to fill the blank in, oftentimes we find ourselves not truly rested, not truly refreshed, because we're resting in the wrong things. And the rest of that verse in Psalms 62 verse one says, my salvation comes from him. And you can rest better when you understand where salvation comes from and what it means and what it does. There's an anecdote that I really, really love. And it goes like this. It says two guys join an airplane. The first guy is given a parachute and he's told, 
put this parachute on. It's gonna make your ride so much more comfortable. Your flight's gonna be delightful. It's gonna increase the quality of what's going on here. So the man puts it on and he immediately feels the weight of the parachute on his back. The straps are digging into his shoulder just a little bit and he can't really fully sit up in his seat. And after a while, people start to look at him funny. They start kind of jeering at him and poking fun. He feels the weight, he's uncomfortable. This is not what was promised. It hasn't made his flight any more enjoyable. Disillusioned and frustrated, he takes the parachute off and throws it to the ground. The next gentleman comes on and he gets his parachute. And when the stewardess hands it to him, she says, listen, at any moment, you're gonna have to jump 22,000 feet out of this plane. This parachute is going to save your life. He quickly takes the parachute and with joy puts it on. He doesn't notice the weight of it or how it's digging into his back. He barely notices the jeers of the other passengers who are criticizing, why would you wear this? Because he understands the purpose is not just to make his flight more comfortable, it's to bring salvation. It's to save his life. See, sometimes we don't understand salvation fully. There's a, a tendency or a, a, a gospel that's taught that says, hey, come to Jesus because he wants to save you from your sad life, things that are hard. He wants to give you peace. He's gonna make sure that life is smooth sailing from here on out. And sometimes people put on that gospel and they take it with joy initially. And then when trials come, when life gets hard, when things get difficult, they get disillusioned with the faith they thought they had because they thought they were signing up for something that was gonna make life easy and comfortable. And then when it comes to this concept of taking rest, resting in God alone, knowing our salvation comes from him, they go, well, can I really trust God? I thought I was gonna to come to him and life was gonna be easy. I thought I was gonna to come to him and I wasn't gonna have struggles or trials. And they get disillusioned with God and their faith. And then they try to do it all themselves and they never find that rest that God intends for his people. But if you understand that salvation was given to, for us to escape hell, death, and, and sin, then we have an understanding that salvation is good, that we can trust God at his word, and that even when trials come to Christians, because they're going to come, that we can still find rest in because God is still in control. He's still our ultimate salvation. And no matter what happens in life, we can rest in him when we understand our salvation because it helps us to put our eyes on what is truly important. It helps us to put our eyes on what is really the priority in life. And when we understand the depth of our salvation, we can take rest in that because of regardless of what goes on in the world around us, we are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ and that's enough to be able to rest in. He continues in Psalm 62 and he says, he alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, I will never be shaken. Resting on the rock makes us unshakable. We don't have to worry about the things that are going on in the world because we're rested on the rock. That's what our life is built on. When it comes to being shaken, it means to disturb our well-being or unsettle our security. What are the things that have shaken you? What are the things currently in life that are shaking you? We're in the midst of a global pandemic coupled with a hard-hitting recession. Are you shaken? Do we have to be shaken as Christians? What can it look like if we are built on the rock? 
the verses continue and it says, how long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down? This leaning wall, this tottering fence. They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. David is dealing with legitimate conspiracies against him. He says, in their hearts they curse, but with their mouths they bless. There are people coming for him. But even in all of that, with these conspiracies against him, with this incredible unrest of people who want to overthrow him, control him, take over him, he says, I will not be shaken. And in the times that we're living, there's a lot of people who are concerned with conspiracies. There's a lot of people that are concerned with the things going on in the world. But when our lives are built on Christ and Christ alone, when he is our rock, we can keep finding rest. We can keep living life at peace because he is our rest. He is our fortress. When we're looking at the things of the world and we're living our life that's built on the rock, we don't have to be concerned we don't have to be overwhelmed by the things that are going on. And when we start to look and put our hope and trust in those things, our life starts to be built on our political party. Our life starts to be built on, am I on the right side of the debate? My life starts to be built on my finances, my job, my security. And when something like what's going on in the world currently, everything is shaking. But when you're built on the rock, it doesn't matter what goes on in politics ultimately because God is our savior, not our president. When we're built on the rock, we don't have to worry about what if we're on the right side of the debate with the mask thing. We can trust that we're just going to keep serving Jesus. He's our rock and it will be okay. We can take rest and refuge when our financial world falls apart, when we get laid off and we don't know where that next dollar bill at paycheck is going to come from. When your life is built on the rock, you are not shaken. There are a lot of people who haven't experienced rest in this season because their life has been built on other things. And when our life starts to be thrown into chaos, we don't take the time to think, what is my life built on? What am I prioritizing? So in these summer months and these summer weeks, we want to slow down and take time to evaluate and go, God, am I building my life on the rock? Are you my rock? Are you my fortress? And if that's the truth, then life starts to settle. Pastor talked about it last week that our, our mindset, our mentality, when we get into that chaotic state, we make less intelligent decisions. But when we're firmly founded on the rock that is Jesus Christ, we will not be shaken. Jesus was asleep in the boat in the middle of a storm because he was not gonna be shaken. And the same kind of peace is available to us when we build our lives on Jesus, who is the rock and the foundation. I heard a local pastor say this a few weeks ago and it really has stuck with me. He said, how you respond to the things going on in the world show how much you have invested in this life. Because ultimately as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're meant to live with our eyes heavenward. We're meant to keep our eyes on Jesus. We're meant to be living for not this life, but the life that is to come. Which means we don't have to overreact when the things in the world start to shake because we're built on the rock. We're living for eternity. Our salvation is secure in Jesus. I've seen Christians be more animated and care more about who is wearing a mask or who isn't wearing a mask than who or who isn't on their way to hell. 
As Christians, we need to be firmly rooted in the fact that Jesus is our rock, he is our salvation, and we're not gonna be shaken even from the mission that we have to live on this earth with purpose, with purpose to reach people. And there is rest. There is rest when you are built your life upon the rock because no matter what comes against it, you know that your foundation is secure. You know that you are going to have things work out for you. Scripture says that God works things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Being called according to his purpose means your life is built on that rock. That's a basic purpose he has for all of us, that Christ would be our foundation, our solid rock and our starting place for no matter what we do. Rest also, it speaks to our souls. In Psalms 62, five and six, it says, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress and I will not be shaken. See, David switches in the Psalm. There's a little bit of a verbiage change and I want you not to miss it. He begins and he says, my soul finds rest in God alone. And here he says, find rest, oh my soul. He begins speaking to his own soul and he repeats a truth he already said in this earlier in the Psalm. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress and I will not be shaken. Because even though that's our truth, even though that is what God promises to us when we build our life upon him, there are still things that come against us and we need to be intentional about speaking life to our souls. Those faith declarations, those affirmations of faith are so incredibly powerful. My niece is three years old and a few weeks ago, we were babysitting her um, and we were getting ready for bedtime. And I was like, I know she has these things that she says before bed and I couldn't remember any of them. The only one I could remember was I am brilliant. I know she says that and the kid is brilliant. So I said, I am brilliant, and it triggered in her. I have a quick little clip I'd love for you to watch. I am brilliant. I am brilliant in his image. I have a divine purpose for my life. Jesus loves me. Ellie Grace, at three years old, takes time to intentionally speak to her soul, to say, I, am, I have a divine purpose. I am a child of God. Jesus loves me as a three-year-old. And three-year-olds don't have a whole lot of stress in their lives. Life's pretty good for her. But how much more do you and I, uh, living in the world that we live, need to take time to speak life over our souls? We need to take time to speak the word of God, the truth of his word to our souls intentionally because rest speaks to the soul. And the more that we speak that, the more our hope rises. I, there's a link here between finding rest for your soul, speaking those words, and that God alone is my hope because the more you speak those truths over your life, the higher your hope begins to rise. The higher your hope begins to rise in Jesus. Because when you start to speak those things, I am a child of God. I am protected and cared for by the King of Kings. Find rest, oh my soul. Now, I am a firm believer in practicing what you preach. This is actually the 10 year anniversary of me speaking on the stage here at Hope. The first time I did it was 10 years ago. I was fresh out of college. I preached my first sermon. It was over in about five minutes because I spoke so quickly. Um, but I've been doing this for 10 years and pastor just said to me, oh, you got 10 years of experience. But every time I come to the pulpit, 
I feel the incredible weight and responsibility of opening the word of God. I have that like holy anxiety that rises in me. I have this like, okay, I've got to, I've got to be uh, ready and prepared. So last night as I was trying to sleep, it was like, I'm going to go to bed early. I went to sleep at 10 and I woke up at 11. Then I woke up at 12. Then I woke up at one and I was like, Lord, I need to rest. And the Holy Spirit prompted me, remember, practice what you preach. So there in my bed at one in the morning, I was speaking this word over my life. I said, find rest, oh my soul. Find sleep too. <laughs> and I said, because my hope, he's my fortress, he's my rock, I will not be shaken. And you know what? I slept through the night and I woke up ready to go. So even when we face these turmoils, we get in these situations where we're high stress, we need to remember to speak those words over our soul, just as David did here. As he says, find rest, oh my soul. Rest is pouring out, not shutting down. I talked a minute before um, to saying why our rest isn't really restful. We have this concept of uh, taking time off and just shutting our brains off and binging TV and scrolling on the internet. But those things aren't really bringing us true rest. This is what the psalmist says. He says, my salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times. O people, pour out your hearts to him for he is our refuge. And that's so important. Taking time to pour out your heart before the Lord. We often take time to vent to our coworkers or our spouse or the people around us. When we take that, when we're frustrated and we're feeling that, that overwhelming anxiety that David was feeling, that he had these oppressors that were coming on. He had conspiracies being lodged against him that were very much real and legitimate. But instead of pouring his heart out to everybody else, he took time to pour his heart out to the Lord. And he, he says here, oh people, he's encouraging them. It's like when you get a hold of something that really works and you start to recommend it to everybody you know. Have you heard about this product? Have you tried this new hair product? Are you doing this? Are you going to this gym? Have you done this diet? Because when you get a hold of something, you're ready to recommend it to everyone. And that's what David is doing here. He's saying, oh people, pour out your hearts. Pour out your hearts to the Lord for he is our refuge. Shutting down distracts us. Pouring out our heart finds reprieve. And sometimes we take our time off and we take our time that's to rest and we're so distracted that we never actually do anything with the life that's inside of us, the, the frustration, the anxiety. And so we've taken this time to be distracted and we come back to our life still fully engaged with all of the anxieties and all of the stresses and we don't feel rested at all. Nothing has changed in us. And it's why it's so important to take our time to pour out our hearts to the Lord. And it's so easy when we're feeling that negativity, that, that, that mutual hate that we can find with people to go, do you know what happened to me? You will not believe this and start venting. And you know what happens a lot of times is that listening ears become running mouths and then it makes your life more complicated because you've crossed into a line of sin and you've been talking about things you shouldn't be talking about. And it makes life more complicated because he said that you said that you did this and now I know about it. And why did you say this about me behind my back? And now this is going on. And it becomes so much more stressful than if you take your anxieties, your worries, your cares, your prayers, your hopes, your fears, and you pour out your heart to the Lord. He hears you. He cares for you. 
He, he is the answer to the things that are plaguing you. And then you find true rest for your soul. See, we have this concept in our culture and, and we, we experience it when we're trying to find rest of like self-care. This is gonna be cathartic for me. I need to, I need to let it out because it's gonna be good for me. I need to take care of myself. Self-care says take care of yourself first so that you will be taken care of. Godly care says honor God first. His commands are set up for you to have rest and peace in your life so that you will be taken care of, but not that that's where it stops. You'll be taken care of so that you can serve God and others well. Self-care ends with self. Godly care and godly order that he's expressed in scripture is for our best interest. And he is interested in you being rested, doing well, living content and at peace, and it happens when we are mindful of pouring out our hearts before the Lord. Uh, the psalm continues and it says, Lowborn men are but a breath. Highborn men are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your hearts on them. The fifth thing I want to say is rest in the fact that you are not that important. Now you might be saying, I have some self-esteem issues right now and you're kind of stepping on my toes, Holly. This is not feeling so good telling me I'm not important. But the truth is, is that you can rest easy that you're not that important because our life doesn't have merit and value because of the things that we own or because of our position in life as he describes in the very beginning of this verse, whether you're high-born or low-born. He's saying all of that amounts to nothing. If you've taken pride in your riches or stolen goods, it's nothing. Because our, our value and our worth is not in who we are or what we have. Our value is in the life that God has redeemed and the new creation that he has created. And in that, he is mighty, he is in control, he is overall, and in all of those things, he gets the glory and we are valued. It's when we try to build for ourselves this position, this status, that we collect wealth for ourselves. We build for ourselves this facade of security and safety, but it's not true. Look how humbling a global pandemic and coupled with a hard hitting recession has been for our nation. I believe firmly in the truths of financial peace. Me and my husband practice them diligently. Last year, we sat with our little financial advisor who was helping us get our lives in order, get prepared for things in the future. And she said, oh man, 2019, like you were sleeping if you didn't make money. And 2020, you, I don't wanna speak out of turn, but we're gonna be well off at the end of 2020. Or so she thought. She thought we were going to be doing so good. And then we get hit with a crash in the stock market. Our, our, our investments, we thought we're doing so good. Well, then they're not doing so good. But it's okay because my life and my worth and my value and my security was never in what I had invested in the bank. It was never in my status or position. My value is intrinsic to the fact that I am a child of God. And as a child of God, I follow him. And when I'm following, I am not that important. 
I'm not leading anything. I'm not making the decisions. I'm not even at the wheel. I am trusting Jesus who is in control of all things. So I don't have to be filled with anxiety or frustration or worry. I can rest easy in the fact I'm not that important. He's important and he's in control and I rest in that fact. And the last thing is rest in two truths, that God is strong and that God is loving. The psalmist says, one thing God has spoken and two things I have heard, that you, O God, are strong and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely will you reward each person according to what he has done. This has been a difficult year for a lot of people, myself included. Um, Before we came into this recession, my husband and I have been trying to have kids for several years. Um, And this year we lost the first viable pregnancy we thought we had. Uh, And it was really difficult. And we were going through a time going, God, we have faith and we trust you and we've honored you, but why? And this verse speaks to me on such a deep level that God is loving and that God is strong. And to rest in those two truths. That even when God takes things away that we think we ought to have, that truly resting in who he is is saying, God, I believe that you know better than I that your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And in out of humility, honor God with rest. Honor God by resting in who he is in the truth of his word. We stop resting and taking time to rest when we think if I don't do all of these things, then my life won't go according to the plan that I have. Well, that's probably a good thing because your life would be better off if it was going according to the plan that God had for you. And that includes rest. I challenge you, family, hope to take time to rest. Not be distracted, not watching Netflix, but take time to pour out your heart before the Lord, to speak some truth of the word of God over your life, to remind yourself that you're not that important because he's in control and that in all things, he is working things out for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. He is loving, he is strong, and he is in control. So why not submit fully to him? Because he has a plan and it's greater than anything that you could plan for yourself. Thank you so much for watching today. If you are new to Hope or part of our family, help us support our missionaries by filling out this digital connect card. For every card filled out, we will give a dollar towards supporting missionaries across the world. You can do this by clicking the link below at churchofhope.com connect now. Please help us. Please, please, please help us support our missionaries that so desperately need our help. Also, hey, if you accepted Jesus today, we are so excited and we want you to grow in your relationship with God. We want to give you those resources that you need to do that. So text the word YES to 941-260-1321. We want to celebrate your new life in Christ. And Hope family, please help us continue to reach more people for Jesus by giving a gift today at churchofhope.com giving. We always love hanging out with you guys. We hope to see you right here next week at the Church of Hope.